Welcome to Control the Controllables. My name is John McGahan from Max Tennis Academy in Ireland, and I'm here with my co-host, Dan Kiernan from Soto Tennis in Spain. Together we have created a podcast, bringing some of the top tennis athletes and tennis coaches from across the globe together. We hope you enjoy our next episode. Welcome to episode 41 of Control the Controllables. I have to apologise for, for the last episode. I actually said it was episode 39. Uh, well, this is one of the dangers of putting so many podcasts out. Um, that was an error on my behalf. It was actually episode 40. So we're episode 41. Uh, this is our final episode of the Mental Health Awareness Week. Um, this is Anthony Ross who you would have heard in episode eight, if you'd, if you'd listened to the, to the podcast. He's, in my opinion, a, a world-leading sports psychologist, but his background is in clinical psychology. And he comes on to kind of dispel some of the myths. Um, he talks very clearly and, and well on, on not calling it mental health issues, but just these are internal experiences, unhelpful internal experiences that we all go through. We all have our varying degrees of what we do go to go through. And and I think the way that he talks and he and he and he gives some fantastic advice, uh, it'll really put some people at ease. And, and I also think it'll be very eye opening for others and and will help ultimately help us to be able to 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 speak and to empathize more with with everybody in this world you know which everyone's gone got their own battles going on so a massive thank you to anthony ross i'm sure you guys will will love it and those that have listened to to us the whole week thank you again thank you for reaching out it means a lot and i know a lot of you have been reaching out to our guests as well um so really i know has, has meant a lot to them as well and yeah we'll be back next week with with our usual two a week um, but as ever, please keep sharing them around. Please keep liking, rating, reviewing. You know, you know the drill. And if it's the first time listening, then a big welcome to you all as well. Uh, but before I go on too long, I'm going to pass you over to Anthony Ross. So Anthony Ross, a big um, welcome back to Control the Controllables. The last time you were on, it was Control the Coronables. So That's we- right. Since moved, moved back to um, an, another side. How's, how's things? Good to be here. Very good, mate. Yes, very well. How's things over there? Yeah, all all good here. Um, you know, we seem to be seem to be moving into a into a, a, a better place. I know we spoke briefly on it before the podcast. I don't want to get too caught up in it, but I think we all still have to be diligent in terms of what we're doing. You know, it's. In some ways, it's the, the normality is a little bit scary, and you know mm. people can get very complacent. So uh, we need to continue continue watching what we're doing, but we certainly we certainly can't complain. Um, so so as you know, thank you for coming on uh, to the to the listeners. You know you've been you know listening to lots of experiences all week. You know this is our mental health awareness week. Um, some some great guests, some great stories. 
um, that hopefully that'll make a difference in, in people's lives and, you know, touch upon things that they're going through. And we're really fortunate now to have Anthony Ross. Anyone that doesn't know Anthony, he has been on the podcast previously. I think it's episode eight. So I would definitely recommend listening to Anthony. Um, Anthony works with Soto Tennis Academy as, as well as many other players and, and academies with mentally tough tennis. Um, you know, sports psychology, but also background is clinical psychology. So has come on today to talk through some of the different solutions, some of the different things to watch for, and just give us that expert opinion on mental health that hopefully you guys can, can take with you. So thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, Dan. And I think that to start with Anthony, I think I'd like to almost look at it just from a general sense. You know, tennis tennis is quite conducive to mental health issues. Um, yeah. how, how do you see that in, in a general sense? Yeah, I, th I think there's a couple of factors that play into that. One thing I think to take into consideration is the, I guess, the type of people that are attracted to tennis. Yeah. And, um, and when we think about, you know, the type of people and, and coaches or whoever gets involved, like in a really passionate way, um, uh, uh, we want to reflect on, you know, why, why do uh, we as people get attracted to, to tennis and, and so passionate about it versus other sports, versus team sports, versus um, not competing and, and so forth. And I think by nature, it makes sense that tennis players who achieve at a high level or coaches who get really, really involved um, are by nature probably more competitive than the average person, more driven, um, and have you know personality characteristics that um, that make them attracted to individual sports versus team sports and so forth. So I think there's that thing that maybe we don't reflect on to think you know as a as a a group of people, it's more likely that um, we have these characteristics of drive, competitiveness. Um, and so forth. So I think that's worth reflecting on. Um, and then I think the nature of tennis um, itself as an individual sport, because it's so competitive, uh, I think the, you know, the nature of the one-on-one -on -one battle in tennis and the, the, comp the absolute competitiveness of it. Um, and, and for, if we think about playing and traveling on the tour, yeah, the challenges that go into uh, playing at a high level or as a coach, the commitment that's required and the single-minded nature, I guess, that it requires, um, then that absolutely has, has massive challenges, right, in terms of balance and life balance. Like the, the chance to, to have balance as a tennis player is a very, very challenging thing indeed uh, for most players traveling away from home throughout the year, I think, uh, even with the, I was listening with the coronavirus in Australia, we've got the football teams who are at the moment having to move to a different state um, for two months and listening to the teams and the players say what a huge sacrifice and how difficult that is for them. Being in a great place, getting paid a lot of money with their teammates in and being looked after and then consider that to a the life of a tennis player, which really often requires, you know, traveling on your own uh, um, unless you're at the very highest levels. Um, and, you know, for, for, for many players for most of the year. So, you know, that the, the 
um, the challenge of that is a, is a huge, huge one as well. Yeah, no, there's such a lack of security for a tennis player, I think, and a tennis coach, actually. You know, the majority yep. of tennis coaches and obviously tennis players are self-employed. You know, they, they don't play, they don't get paid. They, they don't win, they don't get paid. You know, they having to make decisions all, all the time on that. And I think certainly I don't proclaim to be an expert in this field at all, which is why I have great people like you coming on the show. But in terms of having those kind of strong pillars in place, you know, there's one way that to look at it that I know one of our guests talked about that, you know, you've got, you've got your four pillars in place, your family life, it might be different, your tennis, it might be, uh, you know, your social life we feel pretty grounded when we have those things in place. Whereas tennis by nature isn't a very secure pillar. <laughs> you know, yeah. there's, we're, we're fueled with doubts and fears. And, you know, whereas you sign that AFL contract for five years, you've, you've got, okay, it doesn't, not to say that it's easy to have an injury. However, you've got five years of contract where guaranteed, you know, I'll take Evan Hoy to obviously we're very close to, and, and you work with as well, you know, unfortunately he's, he's going in for an operation on his knee next week. Um, and he's, he's out for 2020. There's, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Terrible news. He's not going to receive a penny, you know, even if yeah. Tony starts, that's it. That's, that's done. And that's, that itself certainly brings a lot more difficult, um, a difficult thing. Extra pressure. Yeah. yeah. No, 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 pressure and anxiety for sure. Yeah, and very little security. In terms of this week, you know, and you won't have heard them yet because we haven't yeah. any of them yet. And as we speak, we spoke to players, coaches, um, and and I've kind of broken it down into three. Even though we spoke to more than three people, almost three examples. And I'd love yeah. for the listeners because they would have heard those before they're hearing you speak. So, so kind of case study one is the player. Yep. They're, they're lonely, you know, we've touched on it there. They're losing lots. They've got financial worries. They're worried they're not good enough. They're worried that, you know, their peer group doesn't respect them. You know, they're a long way from home, you know, all the time. They, for some reason, have this draw to continue to want to play tennis. They still have the dream to, yeah. you know, win the lottery. You're working with a player like that who reports mental health problems they're starting to, to to feel quite anxious they're starting to um get very down on themselves struggle to get out of bed almost starting to kind of verge on 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 being depressed you know they're in quite a, a dark place um how you what's the process you're going to go through with that player yeah i think as you said if you think about you'll you'll have three different um cases but i think with the approach I use, which from a, a clinical point of view is, is called acceptance and commitment um, therapy, uh, which I've actually adapted to sport. So whether it's be sport or clinical issues, the actual approach and the um, things that I'd be focusing on uh, would be very similar, just, just uh, used in different contexts and so forth. So, um, you know, around that, uh, those, those challenges, I mean, first I would look at, you know, the idea of trying to connect with values other than the single-minded nature and, and circumstances of, of tennis um, and try to really connect with 
um, yeah, with values and, and a purpose, really trying to find purposes other than just that, that, that challenge for the situation and connect with it because it's so easy to um, get completely caught and up and, and sort of transfixed by just the tennis scenario and so forth. So I think that's, that's one thing you definitely want to be doing some reflection around um, trying to connect with, with other purposes, but, and, and if possible, I know it's, it's super challenging, but um, you know, is there ways to, um, to actually have other things in their life that do provide some level of more balance and, and so forth. So I think that's a real key. Another, like as a skill, I guess, is um, really doing some, some, some work and training around and practice around trying to um, connect more with the present moment. So obviously in those scenarios, you know, for that player, there'd be heaps and heaps of um, difficult thoughts about the future, about the scenario now. Um, it's probably triggering difficult memories and so forth from their, from their past. So doing some work around and, and basically doing some skills of just practicing, seeing if they can connect more often with the present moment. Um, and then I guess the third uh, key skill is this idea of trying to develop skill in responding better to the naturally occurring difficult internal experiences that show up, um, are showing up for the players. So really uh, trying to develop awareness around um, the difficult, the main difficult thoughts and emotions that are showing up in that scenario. And then um, looking at how the player's responding. So first of all, the key skill in responding better to those naturally occurring internal experiences would be to develop awareness. So seeing if we can get quicker at noticing when we, for example, get caught up in that stream of difficult thoughts and bring ourselves back to the present, like I was just saying. And then also over time, like with this particular approach, acceptance and commitment therapy, we'd have a big focus on trying to, um, uh, trying to develop more capacity to, to tolerate and have higher levels of these difficult internal experiences. Um, acceptance, that's what acceptance and commitment therapy, the acceptance part is really trying to develop um, uh, more acceptance of the difficult stuff that's showing up mentally. Um, and, and, and practicing skills around that. Oh, very good. And I think even as well for the listeners, in some instances, it's, that's, that's the expert bit and that's the bit that can then help people over a longer period. But even just having someone to talk to at all at first, I think can, can quite often be the, be the first step. You know, so some of these tennis players that are out there what it seems to me, you know, and I've had quite a few conversations this week and obviously being around certainly the Futures Tour and Challenges Tour for quite a few years, <clears throat> everyone gets in their own bubble. And it's, yeah. all, it's this bubble of, of defining themselves based on how they've done in the tournament. So you've lost, a, you've lost the first round. So that means you're a loser and that means you're a bad person. And that means you're this, and that means you don't deserve to talk to anyone. And and there's almost, I think there's a lot of self-harm in tennis, you know, and I, I, I've certainly been around it. I'm talking about self-harm, actually people hurting themselves with cutting. And, and But I'm also talking about self-harm in terms of not practicing properly for the next couple of days, 
you know, maybe it might be going and having a few beers, you know, and, and almost feeling like they don't deserve to do things in the right way. So if you were, if you were traveling with, with players, I guess that's the whole getting them to connect to their purpose, understanding, you know, understanding that they um, have certain things that they've got to commit to no matter how, no matter how they're doing. Is that something you've come across a lot of uh, the self harm kind of mentality? Yeah, I think that's a good point. And I think, um, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, on the court, the way that players, for example, can get into habits of um, trying to reduce the difficult internal experiences, for example, feeling uh, fear or failure, and then using anger or using um, not trying as hard as a way of reducing that those stresses. So if we look at as I said, in, in general life, we'll, as humans, we'll tend to have those same tendencies. Like it's, it's difficult for us all to have these difficult internal experiences, right? The difficult thoughts and feelings that show up for us all um, as humans, as we face challenges and so forth. Um, and so, uh, you know, in the case of tennis players, yeah, absolutely. They can get into to habits without knowing and without understanding of, taking actions that actually may make them feel a little bit better in the moment, but then don't lead to a more valued life, I guess, and don't lead to, uh, then don't take actions that, um, that are helpful in terms of mental health or, or just being uh, generally better over time. So yeah, absolutely. Like even if you look at a thing like self harm, for example, um, and, and cutting, like most people wouldn't know the, the, the cutting of what, is the purpose of that and when uh so so with cutting it actually re, um it releases a chemical in our body that makes us that makes us feel better so that is in the same way is actually a tennis player who's feeling fear who might use anger to do the same thing so um yeah certainly the the, the same sort of things apply um, in terms of this idea of acceptance the idea of acceptance and trying to develop more capacity to have difficult internal experiences is a is is a big one particularly with tennis when you think about the player in that circumstance we can do a lot of reflection we can try to help that player think about um and trying to to uh, gain more balance i guess but it's it's a very challenging thing right it's when we talk about the idea of of this player or, or players who their identity is so tied to the results and in that context it's such a hard thing not to be caught up in that and so I would say, you know, a great thing for people to understand generally is, is just the normal nature of us as humans. And in that scenario, if a player can understand that the, these thought, difficult thoughts and emotions and challenges that they're facing are normal and that they, um, and if they can be more accepting of those difficult thoughts and feelings themselves, rather than what, what often happens is a player will, as you say, start having judgments about these feelings and, 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 and difficult, uh, difficult thoughts, you know, I shouldn't be feeling this way and, and all this sort of stuff. And if you can really that, that work on the, um, uh, you're normalizing and accept and, and work on accepting those internal experiences. then that's a great, it's a really important thing to look at for sure. Well, very good. One of our, one of our guests said that he believes that a hundred percent of people have mental health issues. What are your thoughts on that? 
Yeah, I mean, I think I tend to think, you know, we think mental health issues. I almost think it's we we tend to, I think I would say we tend to have normal reactions to difficult circumstances, and and so you know, even the the idea of calling it mental health issues, I would just I generally see it as just human challenges based on circumstances, you know, that everyone everyone has, um, and and as we talked about in tennis. The particular it's the context of tennis and the nature of tennis means that we will have um, particular challenges that show up that uh, make it more likely we're going to get more intense difficult internal experiences yeah. um and so yeah even that like if, if i'm working in a clinical space I, I i would you know the the idea of someone coming in and getting diagnosed with a um with a particular clinical um condition and so forth like I, I actually don't think that's i mean it's not overly helpful i yeah. think just understanding the circumstances that person's experience and in the end we'll find that in most cases it's just a normal reaction to to, to the challenges that they're facing whether it be um you know whether it be linked to past experiences that may make present experiences more difficult based on it triggering memories from the past and so forth, or whether it just be the, the, the difficult nature of um, you know, competing in tennis and the challenges that it faces uh, that, that, that we face with that. Um, uh, yeah. So I think from what you, you're saying, I, I would say I do, I think I agree with what, what that guest was saying is that that's just, yeah, it is just normal. We're human. It, it, the nature of being human means we're going to face, a lot of challenges and um, it's easy to get caught up in those, those, those challenges. I love that. I really like that, that, that way that you've put it because it does, it certainly helped me and it's helped the players that I've worked with is this, this whole, the whole concept of you don't control the thoughts and feelings that you have, you know, and, and, and I think we used to think of you're, you're mentally strong if you, if you don't, if you don't deal, have, have to deal with emotions, you know, rather than actually, you're gonna, you, we, we all, we're all gonna deal with negative thoughts and feelings and, and, and difficulties. Mm -hmm. And obviously the intensity of that, and even with the guests that we've had this week, some of them have definitely been more intense than others. And those internal experiences that they've, that they've had bring a much stronger behavior next to that you know but but ultimately it's their ability to um and if we talk about one of the guests who really did get into a dark place one of the things again that i think is amazing about his story is he almost got to the point where he accepted that he had to just see himself through this really difficult turbulent time you know and that was almost his commitment his commitment was just to see that bit through, you know, almost ride the wave. And then once he started to see some light at the end of that tunnel, then he started to commit to lots of other different, different actions that ultimately helped build, build himself back up, you know? And, and then again, if we talk about Liam Brody, Liam Brody talked, you know, he got to the point where he had to accept this is where I'm at. You know, I'm, I am in a low place. I've made some, you know, maybe bad decisions. Some things have happened. But now 
it's about me commit what's going to help me the most now and it was about starting to build those strong relationships up and starting to get some really key people into his life that would that would bring that sense of security sense of belonging sense of purpose back which then got him into a place where he was having to experience less less difficult emotions than than what he was and and yeah, yeah just i really like i really like that way of looking at it yeah and i i would say like even in those in thinking about you know uh, generally when people are in those scenarios a couple of things like in the in the very short term like right in that moment if 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 players um or if we're in that that place of being swept up in really difficult internal experiences and even in that what we when we call these internal experiences like typically we would call them negative right or and yeah. i don't even do that now i, I just think of them as difficult um yeah. unhelpful and, and so forth and um but in really thinking about uh, those places of of being depressed or being super anxious or um and so forth like tip the the nature of that experience is that we are get swept up right we're so swept up and so hard to um see outside of that experience in that moment and so um i can like a, just a very simple tip for people in that in that circumstance in the moment um it's a it's a an activity it can be called different things but i tend to call it expanding awareness and the idea is that we want to try to uh, bring awareness briefly to that experience like see if we can notice the feeling in our bodies or see if we can notice the thoughts that are there but then if we can expand our awareness and recognize that there is more in this moment than just that emotion or just that thought, like that's a very simple, effective one to do when, with particularly like really strong emotions, like if we're really swept up. And that may be as simple as just looking outside ourselves and seeing what we can see in nature, for example, or even noticing the sensation in our feet. Um, and that can, that can bring us, it can sort of unhook us from, from that experience in that moment, which is a, it's a good one for, those really powerful um, experiences and then more generally a helpful thing to um, to do or even if someone's in this in this place um, to try to connect with once again like if if someone is depressed or someone is super in panic or, or like super super anxious in that moment it's very hard to get that sense that this is not going to be here for a long time or or and so um, if we can connect with like, and even memories of times when I didn't feel like this and, and get some sort of connection that there is a possibility that this will not be, I won't be feeling this way in, in, in perhaps weeks or, or, or so forth and, and see these experiences, try to connect with, you know, a mindful, um, we call it mindfulness in psych, like a mindful perspective of the idea that all experiences pass like some pass quite quickly and some of our internal mental experiences pass more slowly and if someone is like really uh, clinically depressed then it's likely it's going to be a slower passing like cloud in the sky that that eventually though those cloud clouds will pass yeah. and and one thing um I, I you know i'd say i think was a helpful thing with people in very very dark places if i've talked to people in very very dark places it's this idea of, of going, you know, if they were thinking about taking, you know, a, a, a bad action or suicide or, or, or whatever it is, you know, the idea of it, what if it's possible that you won't feel like this in a month 
you know, and, but then you're gone, you know, so, and you don't, you, you just don't know, you know, and trying to connect with the idea of the possibility that this may pass. And then, um, but if you were to, you know, commit suicide in, in that circumstance, that's final, you know, so um, things like that, I think are helpful for, for people in really, really difficult, difficult places. I want to I want to pick up on just a couple of words that you've said there, but then for the listeners to then remember back to it because we're gonna we're gonna finish with that point. But just the terminology that you've used, you know, you've I think you're very you obviously you're very good at what you do, but very smart with the terminology. So even there, as you're talking, imagine that you're talking to somebody who's clinically depressed, using words words such as there's a possibility that you may not feel this way, you know, like the quite, quite soft words, you know, which, which I think I'd, I want to get to in, in, a, in a couple of minutes when we're talking about the advice of pets, of parents and coaches of maybe to speak to, because I'm, I'm certainly a big believer in language, tone, you know, the, the, the certain ways that messages can be delivered. And I think you've, you've certainly delivered them very well. But before we jump into that, I do have to ask about coaches because I think we talk about players frequently. Um, and one of the things that's come out of lockdown for me <clears throat> is there's been many coaches I've had with many coaches, many conversations I've had with coaches and, you know, reconnecting with lots of coaches. And the one thing that really does stick out to me, coaching tennis is a lot harder than anyone ever gives it credit for you know it's almost looked at as not even a professional job you know you're just a tennis coach whereas when we're talking about tennis coaching certainly working at, at a more elite performance level the the commitment to the the amount of that goes into it pretty much seven days a week pretty much 52 weeks a year you know you're always accessible the demand is very high. It is whether we like it or not. You don't get to work with good players unless you go above and beyond, unless you're doing work for free, unless you're traveling a lot, unless you're... And, and, and the coaches that we've spoken to on this, what seemed to come through quite, quite heavily was that difficulty of work-life balance. And, and then from there leading then into into having more difficult internal experiences. I'm trying to use your terminologies. I'm trying to learn from you um, rather than use that word negative, which is, which is good advice. So what would your, what would your take be on that? Oh, well, I would agree. I would agree. I mean, I think it's incredibly the, the demands of being a coach um, and, and the, the challenges of having a balanced life. Uh, um, oh, yeah. Super, super difficult. So, I mean, ultimately the, the same sort of things. I don't know if I've got a great answer in terms of how to achieve the life balance based on the scenarios of of being a coach and the, and and um, uh, and the, and the demands of it. I mean, the, the more I guess the coach is connected to that purpose and the values that have drawn them to pro the profession, um, and the um, you know the drive, the better the better chance they will be to 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 um, be able to cope with those with the natural context and circumstances of, of the, the demands of the job. Um, I, I think another challenge for 
uh, you know, for tennis coaches, we, you talked about from the player's perspective of the, the, the lack of security and so forth. And even the challenge of the scenario of where the, the player is the boss and, and even, you know, the challenge and the concerns around, you know, if the player is paying the bills, which is the, um, is paying the coach, it, it, it's an incredibly complex situation in terms of the coach trying to do their job, you know, and, and th that one and, you know, at the very, very highest levels, you know, I think of, I've heard of a coach like Darren Carr, like the situation with Hallett where he was able to say to her, look, I'm, I'm done and, and I'm not going to cop that. Um, and in the end, she came back to him to be in that position. And, but, you know, the security he would have, would have had to do that Absolutely. that would be an, that'd be an incredible place to be as a coach but there's very very few coaches that are in that that place and for the the huge majority of other coaches it's the the, the stress and the pressure of that and the as i said the complexity of decision making around how you deal with a player who can sack you on the spot and it's, yeah. um, i think that's a big challenge as well so i mean ultimately like in terms of the responses and so forth like i mentioned with the players it's those, those skills, I guess I would call them, and the, the type of things that we're trying to connect with and the skills we're trying to develop as people apply the same in terms of, you know, if we can connect with, as coaches, connect with the purpose, as I was talking about, develop skills, mindfulness skills of being able to spend more time in the present, develop the skill of noticing more quickly when they're swept up with the challenges that come with being a coach and, um, and recognize their own behaviors around how they're responding um, and so forth. Like that's they're the, the basic skills that apply to all of us in all situations. Um, that, 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 that's the sort of thing that's important to develop as a coach. Absolutely. For sure as well. Yeah. And, and one thing that I'd add to that Anthony as well is in terms of, especially against young coaches who maybe haven't quite got to that point where, or they're coming into the sport and they're, they're really eager to impress. They're really eager to just do everything. Yes, yes, yes. To, to everything. And before you know it, they're completely snowed under. Yeah. I do think it's getting to that point of managing that expectation early with players, you know, and, and being able to go, well, actually, I, this is, I, you want me to coach you. Oh, fantastic. I'm excited to do that. However, these are some of my expectancies, you know, this, these are the values I believe in, you know, like a very simple one for me. I don't work with a player unless they say hello to me in the morning. You know, I don't work with a player unless when I speak to them, they give me some form of acknowledgement. You know, I'm not expecting them to bow down and, you know, but just, you know, those sort of things, how many, some of the mistakes I've made as a coach is I haven't, I haven't maybe set it out from the from the start of how many weeks, how many weeks do they expect me to travel? Where I expect to travel, you know, this week, the amount of weeks. Okay, well, I can only do that. So maybe I'm not your guy or, you know, however it might mm -hmm. be. You know, I think getting those things in place, because if those things aren't in place, it then brings that really difficult place where there's that gap between reality and expectation. And you're you're now emotionally committed to the player, but you're on a different wavelength maybe to the parent to what they are expecting from you, and it's hard. You, you get trapped in that in that place, 
you know, and I, and I think that's something that we see. I certainly have had him as a coach, and I think we see that with with lots of coaches. So I think any coaches listening, it doesn't mean that you have to become this mad dictator. That you know, it's how that's delivered. But just anyone, certainly of an elite level, who is going to demand a lot of time from you and a lot of commitment from you. You know, getting uh, getting down, sitting down, getting on paper, what the expect expectations are on both sides, I think is really vital for your for 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 preserving your own mental health and and the parents and players. You know, along the way, um, because I do think a lot of it comes from miscommunication. A lot of the issues we have in the sport come from miscommunication and people not being on the on the right page. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. So to the the last point I want to you know that's you know some brilliant stuff in here you know and uh, people are going to take so much from an Anthony, but in terms of we touched on it with the terminologies and the and the ways of speaking, but general advice to to parents and coaches that are listening on on you know how to how to speak to players, how to maybe recognise that somebody's starting to have more internal experiences, unhelpful internal experiences, and then how to support, what would your general advice be to, to parents and coaches? So I guess on that first point on, the, on how to speak, um, if I'm thinking uh, of parents and coaches, first of all, I think it's, it's important to recognise that um, the importance of non-verbal communications and 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 so forth as well. So, um, but uh, you know whether whether you're a coach or a parent, uh, my my main piece of advice in terms of in terms of general communications would be um, this idea of unconditional positive regard. We call it in psychology, and that's where we just uh, we just really reflecting a lot and and trying to have basic communications that communicate to the player that they are as worthy as a person, whether they win or lose. And that's a very challenging thing to do, particularly in tennis, because even if for many parents, I guess, uh, um, that, I've, that I've worked with, um, they do have unconditional love for their child, yeah. but they, it, it can, it's, it's sometimes hard to communicate that around losses, you know, after losses and so forth. Um, and even as a coach, like when we are, we're putting so much of ourselves into that, um, into that relationship, then the, the difficult internal experiences it brings up, um, it can then be hard to communicate successfully around that, that idea of unconditional positive regard. It's such, particularly for parents. I mean, it's the absolute most important thing because for players, because tennis sport in general, but particularly tennis um, evokes such, uh, such powerful, difficult internal experiences around anxiety and fear and 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 and, um, and worth and so forth that um, it's just so vital that parents do that so that it, it helps players be in a place where they are more able to to tolerate and and take the losses and so forth. So that's a really important one in terms of uh, general communication style, I guess um, I would say. And what was your next? Recognize the ability to recognize that maybe. People... I, 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 yeah, I mean, I, I think the the one thing I would say for both parents and coaches, the, the the my main piece of advice 
would be the more we can normalize difficult internal experiences and more we can just chat about them and um, in a way that the, the child or the player feels like when they're talking to us that it's that they think it's normal like so i was doing just doing a coach professional development class and um and one thing we talked about is the idea that we want to try to communicate to players that we think it's weird if you if you don't have all these difficult internal experiences right if you don't have um if you're not feeling lots of fear and if you're putting all this into your tennis and you don't feel fear or you don't feel angry you know frustrated and you're not doing well you don't feel helpless when you're playing someone when, when you if you don't if you have confidence when you you're on a losing run it would all be weird you, yeah, and yeah. so you're basically trying to communicate you're not trying to normalize um all the difficult internal experiences so that person feels comfortable in talking about how they're really going and feeling and so that's if you do that successfully as a parent or coach then that rather than trying to have to pick up and look for the signs and stuff, it increases the chance the player will just feel comfortable in communicating how they are going. Cause it can be very difficult to recognize if, if someone's not in that place where they feel comfortable in talking to you about their real experience, then it, it can be a very difficult thing to, to, um, to pick up. So I think that, that, that sort of preventive um, approach and just trying to yeah, communicate in the way, I mean, there's so many different, we looked at the ideas of, um, yeah, there's so many different behaviours that can come out for, for people who are, are not travelling too well. I mean, um, uh, yeah, that we can that we can look and try to explore, but ultimately, um, uh, yeah, ultimately trying to get in that place where, uh, yeah, normalisation and yeah. and um, and chatting about it. Yeah, very good. And then if you, as a as a as a parent or a coach, who's player or child is is experiencing difficulties but maybe they're not in a place where they have access to the expertise of yourself or you know other other quality sports psychologists what's one or two just simple tips on how they can support support that child i i, I think as a, i would the first thing that comes to mind is the skill of mindfulness and i think as a parent or a coach i'd really encourage both parents and coaches to um, take 10 minutes to go on the internet and just if they're not familiar with the, the idea of mindfulness and mindfulness skill um, that would be my main uh, it, it, it's you know if we have a, a sort of a superpower in psychology whether it be in performance psych or, or clinical psych and and general uh, an activity that that supports mental health then I would say mindfulness right. is the one um, and to to uh, and, and and so as a, I would say as a parent and coach, we want to both understand it. I would encourage every person from a basic mental health uh, place of mental health. It's a great idea to, to commit five minutes a day to formally practicing um, like the skill of mindfulness. And also if parents and coaches are modeling more of a mindful perspective, then that's going to get transmitted to, to, um, uh, to players so that's a really supportive way to do it so if i was to summarize mindfulness and what it is it's basically uh, what we're doing is we're really just practicing bringing our attention into the present and trying to focus our attention on present moment targets and it can be absolutely anything and it can be you know we can uh, it can be as simple as focusing on the breath or sounds 
it, it can be external, so we can have an external target. It can be a physical target, so breath or something to do with our body. Um, or it could be internal targets. So we could try to bring more attention and awareness to the thoughts that show up in our mind um, and so forth. And then we're trying to, um, when we do that, we aim and maintain our attention on those targets. And we just try to notice as soon as possible when our attention has gone off them and what has stopped us paying attention there. And typically that will be because we, we just lost concentration. Our minds just wandered onto something else not to do with the task, but also our mind will tend to um, uh, it, it tends to comment on, on uh, you know, as we go, go along. And so the big part of this skill of mindfulness is trying to develop awareness of when our mind starts start chatting away and just have an awareness of that, noticing it. And, and the main, the third part of this, so we have attention, we have awareness, but overall, as I've talked about a lot, is whatever we're paying attention to, we're trying to practice doing it with, with acceptance. And particularly if it's a difficult experience, we're trying to practice um, observing our, particularly our internal experiences with more acceptance. So if I'm feeling anxiousness, for example, I'll be able to notice that in my body. And, and we say things like with mindfulness, the advice I might give is um, see if you can notice that physical sensation of anxiety, like you're a curious scientist trying to learn more about it. And so this perspective changes our relationship with the difficult internal experiences. So just just getting for, for parents and coaches the basic idea of mindfulness and and having some basic practice themselves as i said in a limited maybe a formal you know five minute listen to an app there's so many apps out there now um and and i would be teaching my child mindfulness you know i'd be 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 um be be encouraging children to um to just do a basic mindfulness practice is the simplest simplest way um, to promote mental health, I think, that I know of. Very good, yeah. I mean, I know that they are, I've got a couple of friends back in the UK that have had um, been diagnosed with depression, clinical depression, and actually they were prescribed mindfulness course. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's and more and more. Uh, yeah. Which is, which is a great, you know, it's... It's it's got to be a better way of going about it than just shoving a few pills in your body, you know. And it's a, it's great that that's that's at the forefront now. Obviously, in tennis, we've got Djokovic's, Andrescu, you know. There's 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 lots of players that are now, you know, talking about that a lot. So that would be something for any players, any coaches, any parents out there, you know, look into that. You know, if you want to get in touch with myself or Anthony on that as well. You know, there's lots of places that we can we can point you in. Um, Anthony, that's absolutely brilliant. Um, it brings to a close our mental health awareness week. It's it's not a case of now we don't worry about it ever again. Um, but hopefully, hopefully this week has has provided you guys, the listeners, with a little bit more awareness. Um, one of my certainly my big motivators, and I'm so pleased you spoke about it so well as well. Anthony is this this normalizing you know and I think the more that people listen to people's stories the more that they can normalize their their own feelings that they're experiencing you know and and, and I think it's it's a great way for for people to realize that they they're not alone with 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 the way that they're feeling and it is quite normal and there's strategies in place to, to, to help them with that. So a massive thank you for your time and for, as always, your, your, your great advice. 
no worries. Hopefully, uh, any of the listeners find, uh, find it helpful and, and take something away from it. Thanks, Anthony. A massive thank you to Anthony Ross for, for his time, as always, and his expertise, uh, his kindness, the, the way that he talks certainly makes a lot of sense to me, and I hope it has to everybody else as well. Um, as we said at the start of the show, that that's it for Mental Health Awareness Week. Um, however, the, we're going to be touching on the topics throughout the throughout the podcasts. You know, as you will have, have found out from from these podcasts, it is something that's very close to our heart as an academy. Um, it's something that personally, it's very close to my heart as well. And and I don't think that you can dig under the bonnet of tennis and life stories which is the way that we are going with these podcasts without bringing up the internal experiences that people are having Um, so we'll keep bringing attention to it please keep doing your bit share your story if you want to reach out we're also here here to reach out to again i stress we would absolutely love hearing from from all of our listeners so a big thank you for that and thanks for our support it's, it's much appreciated. And until next time, we'll have some great guests coming up in the next few weeks. I'm Dan Keenan, and my co-host, John McGann. We are Control the Controllables. <laughs>